One. La transmisión de este sábado de Etruciado Mal principalmente provoca a Rodrigo y pertenece a Kevin Hall, Jesse Irvin, Scott Santos, Michael Watanabe y Stephen Bauer. Cada una de estas personas es un buen humano y faithful spoilerite y estamos enviando la programa a ellos. Major Spoilers theme song! The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Pod on, on the air. The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. On the air. Pod, pod, podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen. I've been listening to the Major Spoilers podcast. Podcast. The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 418 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading and listening. Hopefully we will uh, carry you through the rest of the work that you have to do today. Or if you're snuggled up in bed and you just want to relax and chillax and everything. <laughs> and other hopefully we can keep you company <laughs> there as well. <laughs> oh, that's disgusting. Let us talk about uh, Magic, Magic the Gathering, that card game that hexes me and befuddles me. And Magic 2013 coming up. Yep. In 2013 mm -hmm. or in 2012? No, no, no. In the, 2012. The... What? That doesn't make any sense. Just like no, of game. course not. Just like cars. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the, they have uh, expansions and then they have the core set mm -hmm. and... A new core set comes out each year. Right. And it has the name of the next year. So oh, in 2012, we get 2013. Sure. In 2013, we'll get 2014. And what so was the so set forth. that we just opened up not too long ago? Uh, that was Avacyn Restored. Okay. So that was one of the expert level expansions or whatever. Okay. Um, but, you know, the with the core set, instead of being a three block thing or two block or a two set thing, you know, in a block, mm -hmm. uh, it's just a, a single one shot thing. And the point of it is to kind of um, establish basic magic for the year. So it, ah. it will usually have the most basic form of most spells, plus a few fancy things thrown in here and there to actually mm -hmm. make it interesting, right? Mm -hmm. um, the interesting thing about this set is that uh, we've gotten the announcement that we are going to, or magic is going to revisit the plane of Ravnica. Yes, that was Rob freaking out there just now. Oh, hey, Rob. Um, Hi, guys. Welcome to the show. So, uh, Ravnica uh, was... Um, awesome. Awesome. Why, why, why was it amazing? Explain, explain I'm, I'm, for I'm, I'm, the I'm trying, magic I'm, I'm trying to get to, to that. Uh, outside of, of whether it was good or bad or whatever, Ravnica was the most well-received magic block ever of mm. all times and okay. i think still continues to be other uh since then you know much like with movies other uh, releases afterwards have been more lucrative and more successful monetarily mm. okay. but in any sort of opinion poll ravnica tends to beat other uh blocks hands down what what year did that come out it would have been seven years ago so 2005 oh wow okay. because it's on a seven-year cycle this so then what makes you guys think that the we're going back to Ravnica they, they said, said that, that we're oh, going back to Ravnica okay. the big set in the <laughs> fall is return to Ravnica ah that's the title okay and yeah. 2005 yep 
That's a big hint right there, man. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> it could be a swerve. I mean, if uh, people have been listening to Critical Hit, we were supposed to go into uh, the Winter Kingdom, and we wound up uh, totally somewhere else. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, now the 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 interesting thing is that they are subtly ramping us up to Ravnica. There's there's been basically three releases <laughs> since they announced it. Um. One of them they really couldn't do anything with, and I think even then they have because they've introduced some random planeswalkers that don't have a lot of uh, that that weren't very tied to the story. Um, but uh, the mm. plane chase release and the upcoming M thirteen release, we're already seeing um, hints, hints, sneaks. Uh, uh, plane chase. Plane Chase is about the actual, uh, is a bit more tied to the story of magic mm-hmm. in that, you know, at, when you're playing the game, you're a planeswalker and you can, your big deal is that other than casting spells and being a super wizard guy and whatnot, is that you can go to different planes in the multiverse. Plane Chase uh, is supposed to help tie that together better in a multiplayer setting you actually travel to different planes while you're playing the game and there's cards that represent these different planes. Mm-hmm. There was at least one, if not two different locations on Ravnica in each of the plane chase decks. Mm. So this is, I think about seven of the new cards of the 40 new cards reference Ravnica directly. Yeah. It's, this place on Ravnica. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So, uh, what uh, what's going to make this thing explode and make people just well go uh, nutsoid? Here's uh, here's what I think is is going to make this thing explode. Hype. I mean, they are they know that they've got a gold mine going back to Ravnica. Everybody's excited about going back to Ravnica. At this point, there's no possible way that Ravnica can be as good as everybody wants it to be. Um, And you should, you should make your peace with that. Because, yeah. So uh, that's, that's what it is, is leading up into it. You know, magic goes to a new universe every, like twice a year, a couple of weeks, every year, every year, every year. Um, uh, the fall side is supposed to be a new universe, right? So on, lo- so they usually don't have that thing that movie studios and comic book companies so covet, which is that built-in audience. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, obviously, the same people that are buying Magic cards will continue to buy Magic cards, uh, regardless of how much they say that the game is dead forever. <laughs> um, but uh, they're also now starting to revisit old planes and really getting that hype from people who have dropped the game for monetary reasons or, or maybe because they were, you know, malcontents at some point and, and really getting back that base. Right. They're, they're kind of more starting to revisit old planes again. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, a large chunk of the earlier half of Magic is set on Dominaria. I mm-hmm. mean, every single setting you've got five or six blocks in a row that Mm -hmm. and a block is basically what they're doing for the year Mm -hmm. so five or six years are all set on one plane then we left it for three years Mm -hmm. mirrodin ravnica 
Kamigawa. Yeah. Kamigawa. Left yeah. it for three years, left it alone for three years, and came back on the fourth year to revisit it. And that that set, that block actually kind of flopped because they did way too much on the nostalgia, bringing back literally everything. And now, since Mark Rosewater, the uh, head designer, has this seven-year plan going on, I don't know if he's 100%. I, I'm sure he's not 100% the reason why we're doing the specific ones that we are, but uh, seven years ago was when we were last in Ravnica. Two years ago, we were on Mirrodin again, which is another revisiting, which we had done seven years prior to that. Mm -hmm. There's this idea that now we're going to start actually revisiting a plane about every other... It's not a plane, then revisiting the ideas from the plane or block that happened seven years ago that actually kind of happened in last year's block in Innistrad with a mild tribal theme going on and everything because uh, the seven years prior to that would have been kamigawa which had the tribal theme of spirits versus everybody else this is humans versus monsters in innistrad it's actually kind of thematically linked though they didn't yeah that that's kind of a purpose. that's 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 kind of a read though yeah that one they Mar- maro specifically said they didn't do on purpose mm-hmm. but that's what a lot of people are reading and with return to ravnica it's obvious a return to what happened exactly seven years to, ago. To Ravnica? Yeah. <laughs> Hence the name and stuff. I um, I guess uh, I guess one question that ke- keeps popping up, where does the story come from? Because whenever we've played, there's no story. It's... Right. Battle! Um, that is, is there some like online universe that they've created where you go? No, no. Or, well, you, read, you can read, read you can read about some it. webcomics. They've got some yeah. novels. Uh, most of the story actually comes from the cards themselves. Flavor text. Uh, mm-hmm. Flavor text has it. Uh, just the the pictures. I mean, they they build up. It's not always telling a straightforward story about this character. Right. It's the story of this plane for. It, Innistrad, last year's big block, for example, was a great job of doing that where in the first set, you're introduced to werewolves and vampires and spirits and zombies and humans. Mm-hmm. For the first time, they actually referenced the human creature type on the cards. Right. And it was supposed to be humans versus monsters. And, you know, the monsters had a few tribal or a few things that affected each other. And uh, there was a number of things that affected non-monsters. Basically, it listed like werewolf and zombie and vampire, you can do this to a non-werewolf, zombie, vampire. Right, right, right. I understand that, but I mean, I mean, as far as a story story... Right. So there is... Each block has... And a block, again, is that three, sure. three to four to two, depending on what they're doing. But <laughs> these multiple sets um, <laughs> that, uh, that have a, a cohesive storyline between them. Um, and that story... The the guys at Wizards of the Coast come up with an awesome story, and then they infuse that story into the cards. But if you want to find out what the story is, you basically have to go to their website nowadays. I see. Because they're not really putting out novels with any sort of frequency, and if they are, they're not necessarily completely tied to the main aspects of a storyline. Um, the... So yeah, I mean you can you can see little tidbits of the storyline in each card, mm-hmm. you know, with the flavor text or with the name of the card or with references, even mechanical references uh, to to things. For example, you know, 
um, the uh, well, now I can't think of a particularly good example. Fateful but, Hour. Yeah. Uh, the the second set in Innistrad was about the humans on that breaking point where they're almost ready to lose. One of the mechanics in there is called Fateful Hour, where if you're at uh, one-fourth of your starting life total, so if you're at five mm-hmm. or less life and you start at 20, you get extra benefits when you use this spell or play with this creature or right a number of other things. Right, to, to show that at, at this point humans are basically backed up against the wall and you get, you get bonus points for desperation, essentially. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, the last block, the Innistrad, uh, that was released right around this time last year, right? Weren't we at Nerdtacular uh, 2011 and you guys were trying to snag the, the no. set early? What was that set? That, uh, that, that was been... a Commander release. Oh, okay. oh yeah, Commander. Uh, they've Magic's also been doing a big push towards multiplayer Right. Things. That's what the plane chase stuff is about. Last year's was Commander. Mm-hmm. Uh, plane chase. Originally, they did one three years ago. There was plane chase, and then Arch Enemy and the Commander. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, the plane chase one is a lot better than the one from three years ago because of the rules that they well they broke had time. last year. Yeah, they've had time to uh, fix them. Actually, the biggest thing is that we get last year the Commander stuff. The big thing was that was the first time a non booster pack product had brand new cards i see so this year plane chase has also been allowed to follow that so we get car- there are cards that you're only going to be able to get in the plane chase decks and that alone just makes the product 10 times better on top of the fact that they used one of my favorite mechanics ever yeah. in the <laughs> in one of the decks phasing no no <laughs> but it works it works really well with phasing doesn't uh, it? Ninjutsu? Yeah. Mm, not really. So, uh, I guess not. So when does this uh, set come out? Uh, the Return to Ravnica? Yes. Or Return to Ravnica is the big fall set. It'll be out late September, early October. And don't we have a big gaming convention coming up? Gen Con? Yes. That is at the beginning of August. Oh, for some reason I thought it was in July. October 5th is when it's going to be released. October 5th. Okay. okay. But there'll be a pre-release. Yeah, 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 there'll that. be a pre-release a week before that. So that's where I'll be that weekend is in Wichita. All right. Um, so is there anything before we get up to this big release? What's yes? Well, another? there's going to be a whole set that's going to yeah. get released oh, here. Okay. What's going on right now uh, is Duels of the Planeswalker 2013, mm-hmm. the video game, mm-hmm. comes out next Tuesday. Right. We've talked about that a couple of times on the site. I think Rodrigo talked about it, and I think did you talk about it on the site too, Rob? I don't or? think I've talked about Duels of the Planeswalker. Oh, okay. I, talked about, I talked about Plane Chase a few weeks oh, ago. Okay, I did a review on that. Okay. Uh, but all this week, uh, and since this is yeah, Saturday yeah, now, Saturday, all this previous week, Wizards has been doing previews for the Duels of the Planeswalker set, okay. which is something that they didn't do for the first two games, because they've made a strive to make this product more synergistic with magic as a whole uh-huh. and are going to have it have a ton of cards from magic 2013 the core set that comes out in the middle of july okay right uh, which is actually something that they did last year as well they had um for the duels of the planeswalkers 2012 they had m12 cards that were actually your first look at those mm-hmm. cards, or really your first ability to play them at all. 
yeah. was there. Uh, you know, I think that uh, Magic the Gathering has really realized that what drives people to them are those previews, are those original exclusive cards that you can only get, you know, you can only get a look at in some places. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've really, really started uh, pushing all that stuff. That's why, you know, that's why they do preview weeks, which I'd be willing to bet that there's this colossal plateau during preview weeks um, for their hits on their website. Um, I check it like four or five times a day during those weeks. Yep. <laughs> um they, you know, they're putting brand new cards in their, uh, like, their casual releases. Um, and they're doing a lot more stuff to kind of drive attention to, um, to, the, uh, to, to upcoming things. For example, uh, before Mirrodin, they had their dual decks be Phyrexia versus the Coalition to remind people of what the heck a Phyrexian was. Um that was in the spring before Mirrodin. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the fall, the dual decks, which they switched around this year, uh, the fall dual decks are now the faction versus faction, and the spring dual decks are the planeswalker versus planeswalker. Mm-hmm. Then the fall dual deck was Tezzeret versus Elspeth. Right. Both of which were involved Both in of which the were involved New Phyrexia storyline. New Phyrexia storyline, and they printed a couple of cards that were going to be uh, they that were going to be reprinted in Scars of Mirrodin with the new artwork instead of the old artwork. Right, so there's Hinting your, your little hint right there. Um, I believe we're going to get uh, Is It versus, versus Golgari. Golgari with the possibility that the primary Golgari card is going to be a brand new card from Return to Ravnica because the description of the Golgari... Uh-huh references a person that wasn't a card that he was part of the Ravnica storyline which is also probably one of the better storylines that magic has done is the Ravblock storyline is great in the novels as well but it references a guy that was in the novels that was referenced on cards mm-hmm. but was didn't have an actual card created and the other one talks about the leader of the Izzet guild who is a card Niv-Mizzet he's a big dragon who likes to invent things i thought david bowie was the leader of the guild um (laughs) he gets his own guild and they Mm. have a theme song but um the yeah i mean it's 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 impressive to see a medium like trading card games right it's got some serious limitations for example it's really difficult to actually get a full story out of trading cards. Right, you right, know, I mean, there's, right. you, you basically, somebody has to tell you or you have to go somewhere to find it. Yeah. But it also allows you to do some really unique marketing. Like, you can basically mm-hmm. use that product to market other yeah, versions yeah. of that That's product. That's what I was going to ask, Rob. You had mentioned just a moment ago about the novels. Do the novels, uh, obviously you've read them, do mm-hmm. they aid in your gameplay then? Or do they enhance flavor test texture? Uh? They enhance some of the story. Uh, for example, like reference the Ravnica block ones. Mm-hmm. They are about Agris Kos, mm-hmm. who is a legendary creature in the first Ravnica set. Right. So you get to see, you know, so on there you get to see a little bit about him on the card, but you don't know much other than he's a captain of a police watch. Mm-hmm. The novels take his story and show you what he does while Ravnica is tearing apart its 
tearing itself apart and why we're there on Ravnica for the Ravnica block. Okay. All right. Why it was that time to visit Ravnica. Right. And, you know, you read the, you read the uh, novel and then when you find a card that, you know, directly references, uh, you know, a major plot point of the novel, you're like, hey, right. I remember when that guy killed that other guy. So, Rob, you read the novels. Do you read the novels, Rodrigo? Oh, God, no. You don't have time. What about you, Matthew? Do you read any of these novels in your infinite free time? Um, the last magic thing that I read was the Sarah Angel one-shot. Uh, and I'm pretty sure the company that made that went under. I guess we've got, uh, as far as Wizards of the Coast stuff, we've got these R.A. Uh, Salvatore. Oh, yeah. Um, the whole War of I, the Spider Queen. I think we've got Volume, volume one, 1 and, and two. 2. Volume 3, War I think, comes of out. Spider Queen. Comes out later. I, wow. I, I wish I could have had the time to read these things. This Volume 1 is something like 20,000 pages long. Mm-hmm. No, one thousand. Is that the same pages. world where we were Drizzt and and Alice? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is the, the Neverwinter, uh, no, Forgotten yeah, Realms, yeah. Forgotten Realms type stuff. So you know, I, I I'm sure that you know the Legend of Drizzt, the game that we played, and these um, these books by Salvatore really enhance that world of the Forgotten Realms mm-hmm. and everything. But you know, I read the uh, the comic books that um, IDW has put out of um, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and mm-hmm. to me, it's just like. We don't really see those characters embedded into the right. ga- into the game or in the in the manuals. But, but like here's the here's the thing: are with that is new. That is new game development because it used to be that you did mm. that you read about Elminster and you mm-hmm. read about Drizzt and you read about all those guys and those guys were in the setting oh, and those guys basically prevented your characters from actually doing anything. I see because yeah. they were badasses because they were the adventurers because they were the kings and the kingmakers. So. They and were the music makers and the dreamer of dreams. The, exactly, the wonkas of the world. <laughs> Other big thing. I remember thing. when there were novels about Urza and his brother uh, mm-hmm. Vecna and all of that. <laughs> yeah, but in Magic, that's not an issue because you know the story plays very little into the actual right, gameplay right, of the right. game. Uh, the other thing with the D and D comics are uh, like the Drizzt and Elminster and mm-hmm. the ones in Forgotten Realms are set in a specific Big setting. Uh, Big B is kind of a loose carryover, I guess. I don't know Morden, anything about the Morden actual character those Big B or Morden Kanan. Those are just, they invented spells ages ago and thus yeah, that's just everybody's had them. Kind of an enhancement to tie right, everything right. together. They're the legendary circle of D&D comic is kind of set in the, uh, the generic forgotten D&D realm. realm. It's not in the Forgotten Realms. Oh, it's not? Well, there's the one that came out a couple weeks ago that I didn't like all that much was set in Forgotten Realms. Yeah. Uh, but the one, the fantastic one that I'd done a few reviews on that you'd done a couple yeah. reviews on uh, that one was not set in anywhere specific other than just kind of generic D&D so there's no specific books to reference it. Right, right, right. Well, I did but there are some things that were nice about those comics in that um, for at least I think it's the first six issues uh, they had the character sheet of those characters mm-hmm. in the back so that if you wanted to play that character in your campaign I, that might you know that kind of is an interesting yeah. uh, concept but I mean you don't uh, what didn't wasn't there a magic the gathering comic book uh, we had it with that exclusive card mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah uh, and was that a comic book too that explored that uh, that thief actually, character actually yeah. yes and surprise surprise I'm pretty sure he's from Ravnica oh really I don't he's not from Ravnica mm-hmm. um <laughs> 
he he's not he's not from Ravnica. He dated a girl from us really from Ravnica, <laughs> right? <Yeah>. No, <laughs> he's he's from another plane. Uh, he does station himself on Ravnica, right. on occasion, kind of because it's just this. It's easier to blend in on Ravnica than any of the other planes in Magic, sure. essentially, because Ravnica is kind of like Eberron in the fact that it has everything. Right. So yes, uh, the the answer to that is yes. That is that was tied to the storyline that introduces this character who, um, really, I thought we were going to see an Innistrad. I, but I, I know I was surprised. I, I'm I, pretty sure he didn't in the comic he end up planeswalking to Innistrad yeah. at the end. Yeah, and I and thought he was going to. He actually the wasn't in the storyline, so I don't know. Maybe we we actually because you know the, there's that uh, that preview card or that right, right, um, actually had yeah. that character on the, the the art of the card, right? But the actual printed version of the card or the, the version uh, in the booster packs doesn't have him. Yeah, um, and well, I don't think he gets mentioned anywhere. Yeah, all five of the cards that have come out with the. Uh, Magic the Gathering comic have been exclusive artwork for the right. for Dak Faden. Yeah, Dak Faden. So <laughs> I think we might like a lost get Wars him guy. in. He he Return really does. Ravnica. Yeah. Um. You know, I'm I'm starting to think that maybe we won't. That maybe, um, Dak Faden is kind of like the living galaxy from uh, the the living uh, Star Wars games where, like, there was this corner of the universe where all this stuff happened. So, like, Dak Faden is kind of like a slightly ascended fanfic character. (laughs) See, and there's the thing that comes up to me is when I was playing Dungeons & Dragons back in the day, you actually had, you know, the the fiction and the stuff. And you you had the ability, if you wanted, to play the game as though you were able to interact with guys like, you know, Odaluke. Yeah, well, you know, they, sure, sure. they still kind of have that. I mean, yeah, that's uh, in, in the current Dungeons but, & Dragons, you get the... Uh, uh, Forgotten Realms for, and Neverwinter. Yeah, the Forgotten yeah. Realms, and you've actually got uh, Orcus uh, plays a big but role was, in some of the campaigns that D&D that, has developed, and then you can throw yeah, them into mm-hmm. your further adventures. In that, But in that type of setting... It always felt kind of like it was fan fiction, and these were the official characters, and I could interact you know, oh, sure. with Otto and mm-hmm. his thing. But when it comes to magic, I find that to be doubled because essentially, when I'm in magic, you know, when you're thinking in magic terms, I've never played the the commander format where you're kind of like a guy, you're choosing, you know, kind of a point of view character necessarily, and or, or to a point, I guess. Sure. Yeah. But. To me, if you know, you have guys like Dak Faden and and Jace the Mind Singer, and uh, who's the other guy? I don't know, David Bowie. All of these characters, where you're creating a deck that is supposed to represent, um, you know, Jace and his sister Jan and Space Ghost and all of the spells that they use, that kind of turns it into a slightly different, you know, a different aspect of that official characters. But I feel like I'm writing fan fiction again. Interesting. Would be a very Bothosian thing to do, and yeah. it's also you might be part able to of do my, that with my uh, rubber Chandra hat theory where the games are, are merging. You think? Would yeah. that be? Would that whatever happen? That where me. I mean, we kind of. I mean, at one point, and I've got some of them here because at one point it was a little bit easier than having everything spread out on the uh, card. But at one point, you know, we had mm-hmm. all of your powers and abilities mm-hmm. printed on. A card, right? That right. if I wanted to whip out my prestidigitation, if you know what, boom, I mean. there it is, right? But um, but but that's that's kind of like saying that you know 
Connect Four and Magic the Gathering are merging because you play both of them on a table. Yes, and they're both... But- have planes. Uh, one vertical. No, they only have really one one down. plane and connect <laughs> four. Fourth edition especially has elements of Magic the Gathering built into it. And you can't tell me it doesn't because you just sent me six pages of Torx power cards. And yeah, that's what versa. I was just talking about. So yep. what's the what's the what's the connection then there? Power I think cards. what it's what oh, it cards? Really comes down to. Yeah. So the magic the, the Magic the Gathering, the way that to me if you look at that commander format of I'm going to play Torque as a commander deck, and these are the things that Torque can do, and vice versa. But again, that's not necessarily a bad thing. All that is is just a mechanic. I guess what it really comes down to to me is, you know, it does, can it say, you know, having, if you're going to be playing, uh, what's the guy's name, Dak Faden? Mm-hmm. And you want to ignore something about, you know, Dak Faden, or if there's something where, you know, Dak Faden actually died in the Battle of Yavin Dak because Faden. he was too fat for his X-Wing. <laughs> you know, can you can you do that without there being an issue in terms of the the meta the metagaming storyline, the existence of it? Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. I mean, Magic the Gathering is like if if Dungeons and Dragons like if you think of the 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 story of things as we'll say icing dungeons and dragons is a cake is a three-layer cake like magic the gathering is a cracker that accidentally got some icing on it like you do not do not need and to be interested in the story at all to play magic the gathering no, you really don't I that's why i was surprised when more you guys like a keep talking about bread house made of made and held together with the frosting but the frosting isn't necessarily the same thing that it's doing on the cake. I I don't even I wouldn't I mean not to n- not to uh, continue to make our listeners hungry with this metaphor, but I don't <laughs> I don't even think that it's held together with the with the flavor. I mean, you know, uh, magics people make big overtures about the flavor being very important, and they're they're doing a lot of stuff uh, flavor wise. But I think that's because it helps their design. I think right. that if you're like, we are going to make a card that is like the Blob, mm-hmm. right? From from scary movie The Blob. Ah. Oh, I um, thought you meant Fred Dukes. No, no, I, the Blob. Right, and there are cards that you could say are a lot like that guy too. But you know, so it's like, okay, so what does the Blob do? It gets bigger, and you can't ever kill it. So we'll make an indestructible guy that gets bigger whenever it attacks or whenever it kills something. Right? There you go. Sure. But. Right, but you don't like as a player. You don't need to be aware of that. You can just pay your mana and tap your creature and be done with it. Uh, the the other big thing that they hit the flavor for is it makes it easier for people to grasp certain things. Mm-hmm. Uh, like flying is the big one. Yeah, flying is kind of an obvious thing. I attack my guy's flying. Your guy's isn't okay. You guy can't can't block, block him. Yep, it, it's such an obvious thing attached to the flavor they could have done uh, a number of different things with that and right and that's i mean that's part of the reason why we still have flying and you don't see any new creatures being printed with shadow which is a similar thing but doesn't tell you as much right or phasing right yeah you okay are we are we magicked out everybody hit that natural pause of a question oh sure Phasing. so magic 2013 yay should be cool 
Yeah, I mean, the stuff that I've seen for it looks really good. Oh, yeah, so there was another thing in Magic 2013 is already really, also really pushing the Ravnica thing. Yeah. There's some cards in there that are very obviously meant to be from Ravnica, uh, specifically the Green Legend. Well, that's another thing that they're doing. This is the first core set that's going to have Legends since 10th edition. 10th edition. Uh, first core set in the new Paradigm that's right. going to have Legends. And it's also the first core set to ever have a multicolored card. Well, Interesting. All right. Well, what are we looking at here? Well, we got a little bit more time. Um, Matthew, let, let's talk about variant covers. Let's do that. There are a number of different variant covers that can be found. If you go through the solicitations, it seems like every publisher offers multiple copies of their title um, with the main cover, and then, depending mm-hmm. on how much is ordered, how much are available, etc., you may find almost like a rare card, a rare cover, 1 in 10, 1 in 50, 1 in 100, uh, done by different artists, done in different styles, uh, offering different uh, options. I remember they had a whole series of, uh, back when uh, Justice League was going on, they had a whole series, or uh, JSA in the pre-52, was it, I'm pretty sure it was, not Alex Ross, I'm thinking of the um, Black Canary cover, um, I forget who that was by, but I remember going into the store. I think it was Adam Hughes. Adam Hughes, that's who it was. Uh, and they were selling those for like 100 bucks for those variant covers. Yeah, one and, in 100 variants. And some variants are certainly worth checking out. I mean, uh, Boom Studios used to, and maybe they still do. I know the latest um, Valen the Outcast has like seven different covers. Dynamite Entertainment, especially with uh, some of their Warlord of Mars stuff, has you know up to five different variant covers. Um, for their titles, Xenoscope does it all the Xenoscope time. Xenoscope does it all the time. Oh. <laughs> oh, What's uh, what is the appeal of the variant cover? I think that especially with you know, if it's like a one in two variant, I know that um, I believe the Star Trek comics have been coming with a photo cover. And a drawn cover. The Doctor Who comics mm-hmm. generally come with a photo cover and a drawn cover. And that's usually 50-50. I think that it's one of the last remaining bastions of true old school um, comic book. What's the word with the C in it? Uh, those speculator guys. Because I actually discovered this recently. We, we bought a huge run of Grim Fairy Tales. Mm-hmm. And Dion, my boss, and I were going through, and I'm like, okay, this is issue six, this is issue seven, this is issue four. And we found two different versions of issue 51 or 52. Okay. First of all, the characters were both in a doctor's office. Uh Uh-huh. And the good dark-haired girl and the evil red-haired girl were both dressed as nurses, right? Of course. Yeah, right. Follow. But the good dark-haired girl had... Her her uh, her shot ready to give the evil red-haired girl a shot, and of course her dress was pulled up and her underwear was visible, so that you know you could see. Oh, she's going to give her a shot in the butt. Ha ha! It's funny, and I'm like, if if she's there for a shot, why are they both dressed as nurses? But more importantly, I stared at these two covers for a good twenty minutes, trying to find out what the difference in the variance was, and what it came down to was the color. And transparency of the lingerie that the girls were wearing. 
in the one in 25 variant that was 15 bucks, they were wearing blue lingerie that was opaque. In the one in 50 variant that, by the way, is Mm -hmm. $35, it was red lingerie that was transparent enough to let you see, you know, basic nipple outlines and things going on underneath it. And I looked at that, and to me, it seemed odd because I had all four copies of the book. And then I had issue 50. Issue 50 was the anniversary cover. So there were like six covers. There was um, a regular cover, an alternate cover, a one in a hundred cover, a cover of the main dark haired girl jumping out of a cake in like uh, boots and um, a, a bustier. And then the same cake cover with her wearing smaller lingerie. And then there's one where she's jumping out wearing only pasties and a G string. And as the covers got nakeder, the variants got more expensive. Sure they did, because they're rarer. Right. But the nude variants weren't necessarily the more expensive. And I was going through and trying to figure this out because I certainly understand what the variant cover is designed to do. The variant cover is basically designed to make the retailer order more so that we get the variant cover. And then that variant cover goes onto the market as a more rare version of the same book. But mm-hmm. like... The nude covers sell for like 10 bucks a piece new. If you order this nude cover, it would have been $9.99. So the issue that you paid $3 for that's worth 15 bucks, you had like a 500 or whatever it is, 500% increase in price. The book that was the nude cover was $10 to buy and was $20 now. So while it was more expensive than the other alternate cover, it had gone up less in value based on what one would have paid for it than the other cover. So it was one of those moments where I was just did tons and tons and tons. You guys, if you are Xenoscope fans, you need to watch the Gatekeeper eBay store because these books are going to be coming up in enormous lots and there's a lot of them. Well, the I guess the other thing, I mean, Xenoscope does this a lot with, with their titles. I mean, when they do a convention, if there are two teams in that city... They'll yes. have the covers done with the uh, with the girls wearing the team colors. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, what was really fascinating to me was they would have the same cover, and one would be Kaylee, the dark-haired girl, and one would be Belinda, the red-haired girl. Right. But it was the same image. Yeah, right, right. With different outfits, and then they would draw the different – well, they would – in many cases, they would draw the different faces. In some cases, it was a matter of changing the hair color and putting glasses on her. Right, right. But, you know, some guys, Scott Campbell, actually, to his credit, drew separate and distinct faces. And I think they just cut and paste them when they print the issues out. But. Oh, I'm sure. Well, are, are, is this a big deal, Matthew? It is to me because, well, first of all, part of me, you look at that and you say, as a retailer, how does this, how does this whole thing come together? A few years ago, uh, Dynamite Entertainment launched their Red Sonia book. Yeah. Uh, Red Sonia used to come with five and ten and mm-hmm. literally tons of different covers. And in order to make sure that we had the variant covers, for the first five or ten you know, books, we ordered a lot of Red Sonia in the hopes of getting that variant cover. They didn't necessarily sell out. So now not only do I have the variant cover, which is prohibitively priced at eight or ten or twenty bucks, but I now have... 20 copies of the issue that we had to order to come with that variant cover. Mm, right. So from our perspective, from the retailer's perspective, 
those one in 25, one in 50, one in 100 variants are a really big gamble, especially the one in 100s. We don't order 100 copies of much of nothing these days. Yeah, I think it's only a lot of the bigger stores that are that are able to do that. And it's an incentive. And mm-hmm. I, I know that there may be people who are interested in that Adam Hughes cover or the nude variant or the, as Dynamite has them with the, with the, the Deja Thora's stuff, the uh, the risque yeah. covers that they have, um, yeah. you know, if if you really want them, and if the you know if the store wants to make their uh, customer happy, and the customer comes in and says, "Well, I want this, I want this variant cover," it puts a mm-hmm. big burden on the store to buy those hundred issues or whatever in hopes that right. they can sell them, and. and it- Spider-Man a few weeks ago or a few months ago did the personalized cover. Right. You guys remember this? Where yeah, you th- there's, a lot of, there's a lot of uh, that still do that. In fact, uh, I know that there have been uh, a couple publishers that are like, hey, if you guys ever want to do that, just let us know and we'll run a bunch of major spoilers ones. Somebody actually made a, a remark on the website the other week about how, oh, God, the Chromium covers will be back next. Right. I have good news. The company that made the only company that made chromium covers has actually gone out of business. <laughs> so unless somebody can either buy or replicate the technology, uh, the chromium covers probably won't be making a comeback. Bob Kirkman was talking about how he wanted to do a chromium cover, but he couldn't <laughs> because the mm-hmm. uh, the technology is no longer out there. But I'm just fascinated by that variant cover because essentially. It's the same comic inside. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There, but it's, it's, there it, were some that were different. It's I know the fact that you've got something that's different. Yeah, right? something that is rarer. If you guys remember Slingers from Marvel. Where of they course. Spider-Man's four identities. There were four variants uh-huh. of issue one. And each of the four variants had a five-page sequence in the middle that specifically was a solo portion of the story for the guy who was on the cover. Mm, that's cool. So if you bought the Dusk cover, you got the Dusk issue. And if you bought the Hornet cover, you got the Hornet issue. That, to me, was a really awesome sort of, you know, alternate variant. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It was also something where those were, you know, one in four. Right. So if you go, you know, looking for Slinger's back issues now and you try and buy four different copies, you have to make sure that you're buying the copy that you don't have. So, I mean, it makes for makes for trouble either way. Would you uh, Would you guys be in favor if they brought something like that back where you've got this cover has the four or five page bit with that that character but otherwise the the story is the same around here i wouldn't like it because i you don't want to buy four copies of i don't want to yeah i don't want to buy four copies of anything there wouldn't be four copies there wouldn't be four copies and I couldn't guarantee, and especially if you know that four or five pages of that character had an actual continuing plot through mm-hmm. the next issue, right. I couldn't even guarantee that, you know, the two copies that we get would have the same two characters of the four. Right, right, right. So, say they did it with Fantastic Four. This week I'd get Reed and Johnny, and in a month I'd get Sue and Ben, mm-hmm. and ah. <laughs> uh, Ah, and you'd be mad. Uh, there's no yeah. way I'm buying the same comic twice. Even if it has different guts? Um, Does it have enough different guts? Because if the guts are different five, enough, then it's not the same comic. 20%. Five pages out of a 20-page 20 pa- 20 book is basically 25%. Nope, not doing it. 
because you know what? I bet you that those five pages might be interesting, but are probably not actually Critical all that relevant to, to the story to the because story. they expect that not everybody will read them. Yeah. So, right. I mean, it would have to be something very specific where, you know, I don't know. I guess if uh, they did an X-Men thing and I got five pages of Maggot in this one and f- no, even then I wouldn't buy it for anybody else. Like, that's the thing. I think I would just pick which character I wanted the most. Yeah. And then I just wouldn't buy the other ones. See, the worry that I would have as a retailer, uh, and especially as the guy who stocks the back issues, would be that the Ricochet issue would sell out and everybody would love it, but nobody would want the Dusk. Oh, I like Dusk. So, so I'd have, you know, no Ricochets and people in my face going, where are the Ricochets? And I'd have 20 Dusks on the stands and no one would want the Dusks. So mm-hmm. I think that, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of a crapshoot anyway. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, the variant covers, if they're handled... You know, Xenoscope handles it well because they say this issue comes out with a 50-50 variant. And if you buy X number, you'll get an exclusive variant. And if you buy X more, you'll get a super glow-in-the-dark naked exclusive variant. Mm. But then you have the ability to go and buy, after the fact, the super glow-in-the-dark nude exclusive variant at a higher price directly from either them or their website. I don't remember which. So I think that, you know, when um, Astonishing X-Men came out, yeah, we had one of the 1 in 100 variants. Mm-hmm. And what we actually did was everybody who bought a copy of Astonishing X-Men got their name put in a drawing to hmm. win the 1 in 100 variant. That's a good idea. If you, bought, if you bought five copies of the basic cover, you had five entries in the variant contest. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the one in 25 variant you could buy for, I think it was 20 bucks. But even that was something where, you know, it was, it was an excessive situation. We sold 100 copies of Astonishing X-Men number one. But that doesn't really happen so much anymore. And do not, ladies and gentlemen, if you have your safe search off, do not search for Xenoscope alternate covers in the presence of your children. <laughs> good, good, good call there. I'm here um, to help. Can you know, I do that the, search in front of Rob? Uh, Rob is a children. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Rob has at least three children. I, I've probably seen mm. all the covers because they send me <laughs> children. <laughs> they send me the co- they send me the covers about every week, and plus I've and, yeah, so I've probably seen all these. There's, there's one of the too, one too of bad. the covers was not just pretty, but ridiculously preoccupyingly. Kind of scary, obsessiony, pretty to me. It was an Alice in Wonderland variant. Uh, oh, is that the one that like, you used uh, where she her boobs are about to fall she, out as she hits the ceiling? Because she no, 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 no. That one wasn't the one. It's a, it's a variant for Alice in Wonderland number one, and I think it's an Eric Basolda. But it's Alice looking at the the thing, and she's standing there, and of course. She's got her little bustier suit on, and she's mm-hmm. got her little Supergirl mini skirt on, and it's just adorable. And part of me is just like, I wish this girl exists so she could shoot me down in flaming glory, because there's no way a girl like that would ever, you know, deign to talk to me, because I have terrible self-esteem, and also I'm a 42-year-old fat man, and she's like, what, 22? But it was really, really an attractive, a super attractive cover, and. I looked at that and I'm like, if I was a reader of Alice in Wonderland, 
I would probably want to buy that cover. I think it's uh, Alice in Wonderland number one, cover B or cover C. But it's, I mean, it's just, it's a beautiful looking cover. And I can definitely see the appeal of shelling out a couple extra bucks to get something that, you know, that good looking, something that really appeals to you. But as far as the, the variants themselves go, they're, they're both puzzling and fascinating to me. I can see that. I, I like looking at them. I mean, I, I like I said, I like it when the publishers send me the pictures of all the all the alternate colors, uh, variant covers, so that I can just check them out. But to me, it, it, at one point, I was doing that with Buffy, where I was only getting the Gentry covers. Mm-hmm. And but you know, when it's an AB, it's pretty easy to unless your mm-hmm. retailer is only ordering one copy, it's pretty easy to request the A or B copy, especially right. when it's a fifty-fifty ratio. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, when it got it, I really wanted that uh, Black Canary Adam Hughes cover. And mm. my guy couldn't order it because he doesn't have that many customers. And when I went down to uh, another store in Wichita, like I said, they were selling it for 100 bucks. I was like, it's not worth not worth it for the cover. I think I was, I was subscribed to the Wizard magazine for about a year. Um, <laughs> and... Um, I never got the cover I wanted. And I don't yeah, know if yeah, they yeah. were like, because, you know, at least during that point, they were doing at least two covers for every issue. And mm-hmm. I, I would get it in the mail and I would open it and I would look and I was like, oh, that's cool. And I would flip it up and I was like, ah, oh, man, the cover is way better than this. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. that would just happen to me every time. With Game Informer on occasion, too, mm-hmm. is when they did the, uh, the gaming anniversary issue or whatnot a while back where it was just a. Uh, a blank white with a single character on the cover, and they had like fifteen friggin' covers for it. Yeah. Well, what do you guys think of those um, sketch covers, Matthew? Have you guys ever dealt with the sketch covers where, yeah, um, the artist will will sketch an original drawing on on the uh, cover? Well, there's two different kinds of sketch covers because um, Xenoscope does sketch covers where they will print out the sketched penciled version, right, of the colored uh, actual image. Yeah, yeah. Know, there's a number point. of uh, Boom does that but like too. But the, the, the covers that the artist has actually drawn his own sketch on, those are extremely hard to sell for a couple of reasons. They're the equivalent of an autographed comic. Right. Some people are willing to pay out the bazanga for an autographed comic. Some people think that it's a complete waste of time. I put a huge, huge lot of comics with autographs from Jim Lee and Neil Adams and uh, Howard Mackey. Up on uh, the Intar web, and there were no bites. Nobody was interested. Well, it's because Jim that's the thing. <laughs> but it, it's put some Liefeld ones out there, and off they go. It's completely unique, <sighs> and sometimes being completely unique is too unique. Yeah, and that makes it actually less valuable, or now, at least less valued by the people. If you had, it. if you had Jim Lee coming to do a signing there at Gatekeeper Comics and Hobbies. And uh-huh. DC said, "Hey, we uh, hear Jim Lee's coming. Um, here, you know, I I don't know, uh, five hundred dollars, and we'll send you two hundred or a hundred blank covers of Justice League number zero that uh, you can have Jim sketch on for fans who buy the comic. Would that be something you'd be into? That would. I mean, that's that's playing the game." at a level where if we could afford to do that and if it was something that would come up, I would say yes. I, in fact, I think that would that would be an awesome way to deal with having the creator in-house. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's kind, of, that's kind of like asking me, hey, if you had $1,100 million right now, what's the first thing you do? And I'd be million. like, how about, how, about, 
how about how about how about, a, how about a, because you know I might pay off my student loans, I might go you know buy a new car, I I, I might go to a strip club for six days, take Rodrigo. Uh-huh, Maybe, uh-huh. When when Rob turns eighteen, we'll bring him. Uh, I would I would definitely bring my laptop and try to convince you to pay my student loans while I'm over <laughs> in that strip yeah. club. Well, then you better stop making fun of my awful Spanish. <laughs> And by the way, the word that I meant to say was traducido, mal principalmente provocar Rodrigo. Mm-hmm. So you see, that almost was funny. The people who speak Spanish are ju- they're slapping their knee right I, now. I have I'm got a sure. uh, yeah. I, I haven't showed Rodrigo yet, but I've got an app on my uh, iPhone and my iPad now that's a translator mm-hmm. where yeah. you you say it in English. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then you can pick all these different languages for it to translate in. And it translates, oh, nice. according to my wife, very well into Spanish and mm-hmm. very well into Thai. And it's, it's yeah, kind of fun played, because it'll pretty much do every, everything that you say. The other day I was Android like... the Android version of that, and it translates really, really well into um, Spanish. It fixes my syntax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I've never had a translator actually do that. Usually, it's it's literally word transliteration. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I like it a lot. Yeah, I've been thinking about trying to use it on the show, but eh. yeah, yeah. Right. My, my syntax is always the worst part of my of my speaking of any the language. The computer voice English. is a little. Hello, little my wiki. name is Stephen Stone. All right, listeners, we uh, we talked about variant covers. We want to know what you think, or if you've got some thoughts on the new Magic uh, the Gathering series set that is you coming out. Head over to Majorspoilers.com, use the comment section. We want to hear back from you, or you can call the Major Spoilers hotline. Matthew, that number is... 785-727-1939. The Major Spoilers hotline. All right, everyone, that wraps it up for this issue. Thank you so much. We are going to be back next time to talk about Princeless. Why? Because we know that you love (laughs) comics, and we do too. And we will uh, talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well, I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew He kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler. If I'm Star Raven, it's like a man of iron. Might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fine bee in the Middle East with a king sign throwing soldier. What a major spoiler!
major spoiler. Major spoilers is copyright 2012.